Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 167. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me today on this episode. I pray that it's a blessing to you. So thanks for being patient on this next episode. Um, today, though, I want to just more so introduce a thought, a suggestion. I'll read a couple uh, s- short stories here in uh, Luke chapter 15. And I want to, to mostly challenge you in a way that you may hold a certain perspective. And it's not just likely you, but many in the church. I would even say most in the church today. And please do keep in mind, I, I include myself in these things always too. Um, I don't dare think that I have it all figured out and I have answers that I'm trying to navigate to. And um, so please don't hear this um, as presumptuous that I've arrived or anything such as that. But we'll be in Luke chapter 15, and you're probably familiar with with these three uh, parables. It's the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin and then the parable of the lost son. Now, I'm not going to read the parable of the lost son um, just for the sake of time, but I will read the first two, and um, and then we'll just kind of go from there, uh, throw in some thoughts for you to think on, to chew on, meditate on, pray over, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. So this is Luke chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 1. I'm uh, currently reading out of the NIV, uh, but I do appreciate all different translations. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, if, if just pausing there, if you'll notice, the tax collectors and the sinners were eager to hear Jesus. Now that should tell us something because the the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they had a problem with this man called Jesus. And here among their problems, they they take issue with the fact that he keeps company with sinners and also eats with them. Now, I'm not intimately Um, familiar with Jewish customs, traditions, Um, but I do know that eating is something that is taken very seriously. Um, It's something very intimate, and um, it's not to be taken lightly. And so they they are taking issue with this. Now, we do know that uh, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, many of them had a heart condition Uh, Not in the physical sense, but in the spiritual one. Uh, Jesus was not easy on the Pharisees. And um, most of his condemning type words were targeting or were directed at the Pharisees. These people who thought they, uh, they had it figured out, 
that they've arrived, that uh, they wanted to be seen and uh, they wanted to be identified in light of certain religious standing. So Jesus was not easy on these. And we see here that the those undesirable people, the tax collectors and the sinners, they were eager. Now we should be like them in that regard. We should be eager to hear what Jesus says. And and you know, many of the time we think we have some understanding and perhaps Jesus, like he did in their day, wants to tell us things that we don't have a necessarily a framework for, or even that it's contrary to what we've thought to be the case. Now, how presumptuous is it of us to think that that we have, throughout all the years since Christ, come to this place of, you know, ironing out all these difficult questions? And all these, all the theological implications of what the Word of God has for us, and and so let's not be presumptuous, and let's let's be eager and open to allow Jesus to speak to us freshly, and to appreciate what He has to say regarding Himself. You see, that's the best thing that we could ever attain to is to know Him more. And not just know about him, but to know him more. Because it's intimately connected. If we know him more, we will know about him more. But remember, if you if you remember the where where Jesus said, You search the scriptures because you think in them there is life, but it is me that they testify of. You see, they were very familiar with the scripture, but they were not familiar with the man Jesus of Scripture. So it's something that we should take very seriously to not just be able to navigate our way around Scripture, to be able to to say this means that or this. Um, Those things are good. Those things are valuable. They're important. They're necessary. But despite all of our understanding— we should never stop reaching, not necessarily to come to something new, because that can lead us into this kind of driven futility and this this expectation, this weight that's not necessary for us to carry. Now, there are things that He will show us newly that we've never seen, but we're not driven to that. We're driven to the person. And the person of Christ will reveal to us things that we've never beheld before. So moving on, verse 3, it says, Then Jesus told them this parable. So he's about to teach them something through story. Now, I just want to interject this thought as well. Don't get caught up on this idea that, well, it's a parable, so it's not a real story. Parables are meant to teach a uh, a moral, a lesson, and they're done in by way of story. Now, we don't know that the story isn't true, or rather that the story didn't happen. So 
don't get caught up too much on, well, this is just, he's just illustrating something. Well, that's true. He is illustrating something. He is teaching something, but um, don't, don't allow yourself to get into the fog of, well, this isn't necessarily, you know, X, Y, Z. Uh, try to avoid those those weeds. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Okay, so you, you own 100 sheep and you lose one. Now, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. There's a lot there, a lot to discover and to navigate, but for the sake of time, uh, we'll just continue on. But uh, you could spend a lot of time just chewing on on those verses there. Now, verse 8, it says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, we won't read this for the sake of time, but you maybe are familiar with the parable of the lost son. So we have a lost sheep, we have a lost coin, and we have a lost son. Now this son becomes discontented with his position. He wants his inheritance from his his wealthy father. He takes his inheritance. It's split between both, both of the sons. Notice, notice that, both of them. And then he goes off and he wastes his inheritance on frivolous living, on the desires of the flesh and debauchery and, and, all this, and all the things. And so he finds himself in a very lowly place, hungry, nowhere to be or nothing honorable to do. He finds himself associated in a place where uh, of unclean animals, these pigs. He's hungry for what even they are fed, and he realizes that I, my, even my father's servants live better than this. When he came to himself, it was this light bulb moment of, aha, I am, what am I doing? And so he has this moment of coming to realization. And so he goes back to his father and then and notice that he prepares this thing to say. But as he's, as he's approaching his father's house, his father sees him from far off and runs to him. Now that's powerful, and to the Jewish hearer would be completely not understandable given what the son has done to the father's name. But this father runs to his son, the son begins what he is saying, but he's not, he's not permitted 
to say the last thing, make me one of your servants. But rather the father enrobes him, rings him, and puts sandals on his feet. So in these three parables, and this is what I really want you to to concentrate on, to to give your attention to. In these three parables, we have a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Now, in today's church culture, and even in a uh, hundred years before, we have had a, a heightened sense on the word lost. That's, that is to say, when we think of the word lost, we think of it in terms of salvation and the place of our um, eternity standing. Um, simply put, we think of it in terms of heaven or hell. Now, this is what I want to to really challenge you with. You see, many of us, myself included, have read the parable of the lost son and think, you know, was this son previously going to hell and repented and is now going to heaven? We've made the parable itself about a destination, about a place of, you know, heaven or hell. Now, don't mishear me. This is an important question to answer because this life indeed is a drop in the bucket compared to the vast ocean of eternity. So that eternity is an important question to answer. It's an important conversation to have. It's a necessary one because this life is but a whisper, a vapor, I think Solomon even calls it. But what, but what I really want you to, to walk away with in these three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, lost is not primarily an issue of where you are going. It's about where you are in relation to the Father now. Now, that's big. Lost isn't about where are you going. It's about where you are in relation to the Father right now. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. And we've turned this word, lost, into this future place as it relates to this future place, this destination, heaven or hell. And We've disconnected it, whether intentionally or unintentionally, from a present reality. Think on this question. Did the son who was lost and now is found, did he ever stop being the son? Did the father ever stop being the father of the son? Did the lost coin never belong to the, the woman? Was there, was there ever a time that the coin did not belong to her? And likewise, in the, 
parable of the lost sheep, was there ever a time that the shepherd was not the owner of the one sheep that wandered off? You see, these parables are not are not necessarily pointing issue at the fact that these items, the item, the sheep, and the son, it's not an issue of ownership. It's an, it's an issue of proximity to the one they belong to. And so the, these parables do not strictly apply only to, to the matter of, of, of belonging they're primarily focused, among other things, of course, but primarily focused on the issue of not being near to the one they belong. And so we've taken this word and somewhat hijacked it in our, in our Christian culture. We've hijacked it and, and let it, it morphed it or mutated it into meaning something on of down the road if this if this person is lost then they do not belong to the father and they need to be saved now the the question of salvation must be answered for each one of us and the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. He's the only one who offers that to us. He, he's the only one that makes it available to us by grace through faith. Not of anything we do, not of anything we offer or bring to the table, but simply by grace through faith. And... So that's really what I want you to kind of meditate on in light of these passages. Um, view them from the lens of the issue being proximity. The shepherd wants his, his sheep near him, not wandered off, not somewhere else. He wants him them near him. The, the woman wants the coins near her. Access to, unbridled access. And the father wants the son to come to his senses and be where he is. So think on these things in light of proximity, in light of nearness to God. And if you will, pause in your mind the thinking of this relating to a destination, but rather a present reality of where God is. Thank you for taking the time to join me on this one. I pray that you have a wonderful day, and God bless. I would trade a million lifetimes for a moment here with you.